Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, how you doing? All right, so we're going to continue this week with our kid-focused theme, like everything I do isn't kid-focused. I'm bringing back my friend and colleague, Christina McGee, to talk about sort of a step-by-step process of how to tell the kids, how to tell the kids you're getting a divorce. I'm just going to leave this up to Christina because she's the master. We also agree on all of this. So um, I just adore Christina and I love having conversations about this stuff with her. So here she is, Christina McGee, once again. Hey, Christina, thank you so much for coming back. I always love talking to you. Uh, Well, I'm always happy to be here. Yeah. So, all right. So we are talking about how to tell your kids that you're getting a divorce. And, you know, on the one hand, you would think that that's fairly black or white or whatever, right? But it's actually, there's so many nuances to it, right? It's not just, it's not just one conversation that there's no script that you copy and paste for all situations. No, there's not. And I think the really big challenging part is just we're having to kind of balance out our our own guilt over causing this heartbreak for our kids, having to explain to them how life is just going to be completely upended and knowing what to say, when to say it, how to say it is so tough for parents. Like, Mm -hmm. how, how can you even prepare yourself for something like this. And I think that's one of the biggest struggles for parents, you know, is they just need some guidance on how do I even approach this? Um, it's hard. It's hard to say it. It's hard for kids to hear it. So how should they approach it? (laughs) (laughs) Like, so let's just take like your, you know, your, let's start with like your average, um, you know, amicable, we just decided like, there's no, there's no abuse. There's no infidelity. There's nothing horrible. And we're do you know, we're amicable, we're mediating. How do you, how and when, I think more importantly, do you have this conversation? So I think the first thing you need to be really clear about is that this is the direction you're moving. So if you're a hundred percent sure we're traveling down this road, then that's the time you need to start thinking about having a conversation with your kids but you don't want to prematurely have that conversation if you're not sure, because that's really confusing for kids. Are we, aren't we, what's going on? We say we are, but then we don't act like we are, like what's happening. And that's confusing. So you need to be real clear about where you're at. And then once you are, then I suggest parents literally make a plan. I think that's the most important thing is that you need to be thoughtful about this conversation but you can't have it if you haven't thought through how life is going to unfold, what it's going to look like, what you're going to say to kids, um, the timing of it. So I think 
you decide, and then the two of you need to sit down and talk about, okay, so what is the timetable for this transition in our family? You know, when are we going to separate households? Um, and then, and then kind of back into when you need to tell the kids, then you address like, how are we going to tell them? What are we going to say? Cause kids need to hear why, you know, um, how you answer that is really important, but you're going to need to have a why for kids. It's part of their healing and understanding of the change that the family's going through. That's so important. It's that's so important. And that is something, you know, when you say you're going to have a collaborative divorce or an amicable divorce, like this is part of it, right? You're going to be co-parenting for the rest of your lives. And so this is the first step in doing that mm-hmm. in co-parenting apart, parenting apart. Right. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, which is <clears throat> the name of Christina's book. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love how you slid that in there. Aimless plug. I said it and I was like, wait, that's her book. (laughs) Um, So um, now in terms of the, like the timeline, one thing I I think is really important is that some people are like, well, we've decided to separate. So we should tell them that first, right? Um, We should ease them into the transition. We should tell them we decided to separate. And then when it's time to get a divorce, you know, we'll tell them that. What are your thoughts on that? Your face <laughs> says it all. <laughs> well, okay. So that depends. Like if, if truly you are separating and you're oh. trying to work things out, then sure. That makes sense to tell kids we're taking a break or, you know, we've got some things going on that we need to figure out. And we feel like this is the best way for us to kind of figure them out. And so you let kids know what's going on. But if you're doing it in a way to kind of just like gradually take them into the deep end of the water, um, I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, I've literally had parents who have told their kids they're separating. They go through the entire process, finalize the divorce, and they never circle back to tell their kids. Oh, wow. And I had a mom um, who was a, a coaching client who called me because she was absolutely leveled. She had been in the situation. She and dad, things weren't working. They told the kids they were separating. They set up two households. Kids were transitioning back and forth. They, everybody was doing great. Mm-hmm. Like everything seemed okay. Mm-hmm. So they thought, well, let's just go ahead. So they got a divorce. They moved forward. They finalized things. They never told the kids. They just thought, why rock the boat? The kids really know we're not getting back together. Well, when she went to her son's open house, she was kind of looking at all of the things that the kids did. And the kids had this exercise, like, how am I like another classmate? And one of the things her kid put down was, oh, my parents aren't divorced. Oh. It had never occurred to her that her child might still be under the impression that there was a possibility that his parents were getting back together or that they were divorced. Or, and so I, I think that it's really important for parents not to assume and that it's not just a one-off conversation, but it's a series of conversations that you need to have with your kids. And when you make the decision, that's the time to start planning that conversation. Yeah. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. I, this, this comes up for me too, with my clients a lot is, is, you know, I think that parents 
in a in a very loving attempt to protect their children from all sorts of shit. You know, don't don't name things that are happening that are really important to be named. And now that and there's a balance, right? Because we don't tell them everything for right. damn good reason. You know, uh, and we'll get to some of those in a bit. But there, but when things when things are really like in your face or obvious or they, they need to be named, right? They have to be named. Well, you have to give kids a context for understanding what they're seeing and experiencing. And that's the problem. You know, in exactly. an effort to protect our kids, we may not be forthright with them or we may not be clear. Some parents don't like to use the word divorce. Ah, that's a hard word to hear. But, you know, th- our children are going to go out into the world. And when their teacher looks at me and goes, oh, so your parents are divorced. Oh, right. no, they're not. <laughs> oh, no, they're not. <laughs> right. Right. It's a hard no, word to right. hear, but it's the truth. And they need to hear it. Right. You know, and even with really young kids, I know I have, um, I think many clients who's like, have like younger, young, young kids. Right. And they're just like, well, they're too young to understand, you know, but yet they're being shuffled back and forth between households. They're not too young to have a conversation. They're in, in age appropriate terms, Right. But there still needs to be a conversation because they're confused and they regress and, you know, all sorts of, you know, behavioral stuff starts to arise. So they need to be, they need to be able to, you need to be able to name stuff that they're experiencing for them to not be questioning their reality and freaking the fuck out. Right. Right. Of course. And the thing is, is cognitively, while they may not be able to wrap their heads around understanding what divorce is as you are consistent, you consistently use those words over time, it clicks. Kids mm. get it, you right. know, um, right. and they're able to internalize it. They're able to gain that kind of level of understanding. But I think that one of the hardest jobs we have in the world is watching our kids hurt. Right? Yeah. And when we're responsible for that hurt, man, it's just, it's gutting. And, and it's only natural as parents to want to protect our kids, to want to, you know, soften the blow, ease them in, but we're really not doing them any favors. One, resilience doesn't come out of things being easy. It comes out of learning how to adapt and manage challenge. And the truth is there are lots of things about life that our kids are going to encounter that are going to be challenging. Divorce is just one. So you have an opportunity to guide them through this in a way where they can learn to manage change, where they can become resilient, where they can, um, where you can reinforce that they are capable of handling hard things. Exactly that, (laughs) that. So, so what do you say to them? Like, let's, like you're actually sitting down and having the conversation. And I know that this is different for different age groups, right? Right. But there's a, there's a general, or maybe we can hit each age, hit, you know, younger, medium, teenager, <laughs> right? Um, what do you say? Like, what's the information they need? And what's the information you hold back? <laughs> like, how does this go? Yeah. So, well, and that's part of the planning is I think that parents need to have a conversation about what are we going to say? Like there needs to be a consistent or similar message between parents. And this is, again, we're going back to this kind of ideal amicable split. 
um, it gets a little bit different when you have different situations and parents aren't in agreement. But ideally, you want parents to come to an agreement. Um, I think it needs to be a short, simple, straightforward explanation um, to begin with, to just start the conversation. We're just delivering the news that we've made this really big decision. We've decided to get divorced and for younger kids, you need to preface what that means. A divorce means that mom and dad aren't going to be a husband and wife anymore, but we're always going to be your parents. Right. And that's never going to change. Mm-hmm. And so instead of being a family in one home, you're going to have a home with mom and a home with dad. And both places are a place for you. You will always be an important part and belong in both of these places. Yes. And when you're having that conversation between parents and coming to an agreement, I just want to clarify, you're not coming to an agreement about what happened. You're not coming to an agreement, you know, because I I talk about this all the time that you may never agree. You may never agree on a narrative. You're each going to have your own narrative and that's fine. It's totally, you cannot control what the other person, you know, feels about how things went down, but that's none of the children's business. Right. Or you can you can agree on a narrative for the kids, which may or may not be the narrative. If if one parent had an affair, right, let's say, and that really is the demise of the marriage, like you don't have to agree to tell the kids that. In fact, you probably shouldn't, right? What's your some people say out of vengeance, right? Well, they they should know he did this, <laughs> right? What are your thoughts on that? It gets into the truth telling, right? Mm -hmm. So shouldn't my kids know the truth, right? And the truth is a pretty slippery slope because are you telling your truth? Are you telling the other parents truth? Whose truth are you telling? And you can almost bank on the fact that there's going to be at a bare minimum, two very different perceptions of the truth. And even in situations that involve infidelity, rarely, I mean, maybe that was the thing that kind of the straw on the camel's back. There are lots of other things that have happened in a relationship to kind of bring you to that point. Right. Um, and so I think it's important for people to own their part. And, and maybe you may really, really feel like 90% of it is the other parent's fault. Okay. You still need to look at your 10%. Mm-hmm. You know, what was your 10? Um And so kids don't need to be exposed to the adult details, all the little nitty gritty, you know, what happened between the two of you that needs to stay between the two of you. But I think that you can agree or attempt to come up with an overarching reason. We both wanted different things. You know, how we felt about each other changed over time. Is that true? Yes, it is true. Uh, It could be that, you know, to make a marriage work, there has to be a certain level of trust and and we don't have that level of trust in each other anymore. And as much as we might like to, we can't get that trust back. Things have changed for us and, you know, we've made this decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's so important. And I think, and what about the, (laughs) what about telling them that you don't love each other anymore? Well, I would say always be honest with your kids. So if you don't, I mean, if you really feel like you do not love that person anymore, I wouldn't tell your kids that you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you do, if you feel like that, that connection you have with the person that is 
the parent of your children, the other parent of your children, you know, I think it's perfectly okay to say, you know, your mom or dad will always be an important person in my life because they are your mother or father. And, and for that reason, there will always be a love there that is, is going to exist. You know, we share something really beautiful and that's you. But if you don't feel that way, I wouldn't say that. You know, you can say um, something like, you know, no matter how I feel about dad or no matter how mom feels about me, we will always have one thing in common and that's that we love you. Right, right. And so I'd be genuine and mm-hmm. sincere. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that the trap with this, right, with that question is you don't want kids to feel like love is something that can just stop because then will you stop loving me? Right. And so I think it's an opportunity to say like, there's lots of different kinds of love, right. There's romantic love there's right. And that this is just one of those, you know, my love for you as a child never stops. (laughs) Right. Right. But romantic love sometimes does. And I think that's an important distinction to make, you know, Mm -hmm. because kids can wonder, you know, if you can stop loving each other, does that mean someday you're going to stop loving me? And kids need to know that the love between a parent and a a child endures. It's unchanging. It's it's going to remain. It's permanent. It's fixed. Um, But, you know, I think when you're talking about love and divorce, I think one of the things kids need to know is that, you know, at, at, at the very least, love did exist. At one point in time, yeah. like when we went into this, we were planning to be a family. That was the plan. That was our hope. That was our dream. And, um, you know, unfortunately, things changed over time. Um, I think it's also really important for kids to hear that history doesn't have to repeat itself. And just because things didn't work for us doesn't mean that someday they can't work for you, which is yeah. another thing lots of kids struggle with. Right. Yes, absolutely. I have friends to this day who, you know, well, first of all, a lot of people who lived in very volatile, volatile marriages who actually stayed in the marriage. And this is the whole conversation about, you know, should you stay for your kids? You know, I have friends who were raised in like violent, violent homes and their trauma is so deep that they, you know, like I can never, I can never be in a relationship. I'm, I am a hundred percent. A friend of mine said this to me the other day. He said, I'm a hundred percent convinced in my, in my heart you know, intellectually, he knows otherwise, but he's like inside, I'm hundred percent convinced that any relationship I engage in will, will look just like that. And it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking. He's 53 years old. Mm, that is heartbreaking. And, and I think that that's really important for parents to hear. Cause I have, and I'm sure you do too. Parents ask that question all the time. Shouldn't we stay together for the kids? Like at what point parents will ask me, well, like, when is it easiest for kids to go through this? Like, should we do it when they're younger? Should we wait till they get into college? You know? And, and my reply is it's never easy. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's going to be hard and you need to be able to accept that as a parent, this isn't going to be easy. There's no way that you are going to be able, no matter how much you love your kids to take away all the pain and all the hurt that is associated with divorce. Right. The question is how hard do you want it to be? Like you can certainly, you certainly have the ability to make it much harder for your kids. Yeah. 
So that's, and I think that that's important for parents to understand this. You can't take the hurt away. It is going to be hard, but how you handle the hard parts is what makes a huge difference for your kids. And how do you handle those hard parts best, right? So that you don't make it harder. What would that look like? I think one of the key things you need to be doing is putting your kids first, like thinking about this through the lens of, you know, how your children are seeing and experiencing this. Um, Because I think parents a lot of times really underestimate um, how their actions are impacting their kids, you know, Um, and kids know a lot more than we give them credit for. Yeah, I'm working with um, Ellen Bruno on mm-hmm. the sequel to Split. Yes. Oh, you're working with her on it. That's so great. She's yeah. coming on the podcast soon. So that's great. Yeah. Fabulous, fabulous film. Can't say enough um, good things about it. But the sequel, what she did is she's, you know, interviewing the kids from the yeah. original film six years down the road to kind of have them reflect. And um, we were reviewing some of the footage and, and one of the kids talks about how it's very clear to him that, you know, his mother doesn't like dad. Huh. Huh. And he's like, she doesn't think we get it, but we get it. And, and I think that we follow kind of this golden rule. Well, I'm not saying anything bad about the other parent, but it's important to remember that, you know, those eye rolls, those sighs, those things we don't respond to, our body language, all of that gets communicated to kids and creates some tension as well. So kids are very, very aware of how we feel about each other. So when we talk about moving forward in the best way, it's really important to remember that uh, the other thing that has a huge impact for kids is how we relate to one another. Like how mom and dad relate, whether they're in one home or two, is hugely influential in your children's lives. So do whatever you need to do to make peace with the past. Doesn't mean you have to forgive. Doesn't mean you have to agree, but make your peace so that that doesn't spill over into your children's lives. Amen. Amen. I say that all the time. Like you don't, nobody's entitled to your forgiveness. You don't have to forgive. I think we've got forgiveness really twisted. And I don't believe in this whole, like forgiveness is for the, is not for the other person. It's for you. There's stuff that my ex did that I don't forgive him for. I just don't, but I no longer carry the resentment. It's not something that I'm actively impacted by. So I'm able to have a wonderful relationship with him and a good friendship but I still don't forgive <laughs> for, you know, right. for some shit. And that's okay because it doesn't still eat away at me. I had friends who, you know, had the conversation with their daughter about like, you know, we're still going to be a family. We're just going to be a different kind of family and mommy and daddy still love you and all of that. And sort of said all the right things, but then would viciously fight and like throw things at each other while holding her. She was like two years old. And I I was like, you you cannot tell a child that you're still a family if what you're showing is something really like, well, first of all, violent, but also just not like that. Then now your child thinks that's what a family is, you know? And frankly, that's the, that's the family that the mother in that situation was raised in. So, you know, it makes perfect sense that this is all coming around. 
but it's also not inevitable. And it's not so, so having your actions, like you said, line up with Mm -hmm. your words is really important. Don't, don't blow smoke up their ass if you can't back it up, right? It doesn't help. It doesn't work. Well, and you have to realize that you've got to be able to um, change your relationship. Like you have history together. You have a way of communicating and interacting and being um, that needs to change. I had a couple that I worked with many years ago. They decided they needed to split, but they were going to do things together for the sake of the kids. Like, you know, if there was a recital, they were sitting side by side. The problem was they continued, they they had separate households, but they continued to act like a married couple in all the worst ways. Like there would be bickering and arguing and, you know, tension and they were there side by side, but they didn't, they didn't change their relationship. They continued to do all the things they had done through the marriage and the kids weren't not doing well. They weren't doing well in school. There were meltdowns all the time, behavior problems, temper tantrums, and they couldn't figure out why. Well, Here's why, you know, you need to change your relationship and the relationship needs to shift from one of being partners to being co-parents, being business partners almost. And the business at hand is raising happy and secure kids. And in business, there there should be no emotion in it, right? If it's a business partnership, the emotion and look, you know, look, I just want to acknowledge that that's hard work. Yeah, it's hard work for the parents, right? To be able to come to a point where you're letting go of your resentments when you're really angry, when, you know, you know, you're rising up, you're being asked to rise above so much. And I want to acknowledge how difficult that is, which is why you have got to get a good therapist. You've got to get a good coach. I mean, that's the work that I do with people, hopefully before they enter into any kind of divorce proceedings, right? Because, the last thing you want is all that bitterness or resentment to come with you into, you know, mediation or litigation. But really, this is hard work. And it's the I think it's the harder and work of divorce. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're at that very beginning stage when you need to tell your kids. Right. Like you may not have everything resolved. You may not be in that place, but you need to do everything that you can When you're having that conversation to responsibly manage your emotions, like the emotions are not just going to disappear even years from now, you know, there are things that are going to come up. You're going to have your feelings and you need to be able to separate your feelings from the needs of your kids. That's what's really critical. And what happens when one parent doesn't see it that way? or doesn't do that, right? When I've had clients who are like, they're, you know, they go into the conversation with the kids and he's like, I'm just going to cry the whole time. Like, what do you, what do you do? So I, I think that then you might need to make an assessment about whether you should have a conversation together or separately. So um, in ideal circumstances, it's best if both parents can sit down with kids and have a, you know, a conversation. They've made their plan. They sit down and they have the conversation together. 
But in situations where you have a parent who's not going to participate or there's a lot of overt hostility and tension, or you have a parent that emotionally just isn't quite there yet, you may need to come up with a different plan. And so with an emotionally vulnerable parent, then have an honest conversation. And maybe, you know, the first step is deciding who's going to say what. Maybe the parent that's more emotionally together needs to be doing most of the talking. I don't think that you shouldn't, I don't think it's okay to hide your feelings. Like if there's sadness there, I think that's important for kids to see. Yes. But, but the key is, is that if you emotionally fall apart and you can't manage your emotions, kids are naturally going to want to caretake. They're going to want to step into that place where they're caring for you instead of you caring for them. Um, And you don't want that to happen. And how are kids going to believe that life's going to be okay if you're not okay? Yes. Yes. Praise hands emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Because, right, because then all of a sudden it's about you, right? And it's like, they're not, you're not allowing them to have the emotional response that's appropriate for them to be having right now. And you actually rob them of a huge part of their process with this by making it all about you and your feelings. Right. Right. That one makes me mad. And that can easily, (laughs) and that can easily continue. So, you know, um, it's okay to acknowledge the sadness. It's okay to have tears to say, I mean, I think it's important for kids to know sadness is a part of this. This isn't easy. Right. This hurts. You know, we're sad. This is a big change in the family. That's all normal and expected stuff. It, it makes sense to kids, but yes. you got to responsibly manage those emotions. And, and that I think is where we really have a duty to ourselves and to our kids to get the support we need so we can get there. Exactly. More praise hands emojis. <laughs> is it any of the kids' business? We talked about the why, right? The why. Like, so somebody had an affair. You know, one person's like, the kids should absolutely know this, right? Because, and I think we've talked, we've sort of covered this, but what about kids, parents that are telling kids stuff that like is not true or is not your truth or you don't agree with? Right. Or they're or they're making up shit. (laughs) Like, how do you handle that with the kids? And the kids come home and say, daddy says that, you know, you X, Y, Z. They do. Well, so um, one of my top recommendations is uh, don't set the record straight. Mm -hmm. Don't tell them your side of the story. Mm -hmm. Okay, because what happens is so let's say, you know, your child comes home and they say, daddy said, blah, 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 right? The divorce is all your fault. You weren't a good wife. You, you know, you, you uh, spent too much money on yourself. You were really selfish, blah, blah, blah. And there's not a grain of truth in what daddy said at all. So you say to your child, well, let me tell you the truth. And you give them your version. Now, what is the child going to do with that? Go right back to dad. Go back to dad and say, hey, dad, you know, mom said this. And what's dad going to do? Well, he's going to load them up with a whole new set of facts, more information. And your kids like caught in this no win situation. Yeah. Yeah. 
the way to bypass that is to say, wow, I'm really sorry you had to hear that. I don't agree with what dad said. I have a different perception. How do you feel about what dad said? You know, and, and really bring it back to the, to the child because right. it's really hard for kids to hear bad things about, you know, one of their parents or to hear conflicting information from two people that they love, you know, to say to kids, gosh, you must be wondering who to believe. That's got to be really confusing. And I think if there's a clear emotion attached to it, like mom or dad is just trash talking because they're angry and they're bitter. Again, I think we need to provide kids with a context. Gosh, it sounds like mom's really angry. And sometimes, you know, when divorce happens, parents get really upset and they may deal with those emotions by saying mean or hurtful things. I don't agree with handling anger that way. Sounds like that mom may be really, really angry with me. And I'm sorry you had to hear that. How mom feels doesn't have to be the way you feel. If I'm upset with mom, you don't have to be upset with mom. If mom's upset with me, you don't have to be upset with me. You can feel any way you want. And I think that's a really important message for kids to hear. Oh my God. That's like, that's so important. I want to highlight that because, and repeat it, just put it in a loop. I think so often kids feel that way that, you know, this is the idea that I always talk about. And I know you agree with of putting the kids at the center, not in the middle. And when you, when you do that, you have put your kids square, you know, when a parent bad mouths the other child and the other parent, they put the kid right in the middle. And the way you just described, they're going back and forth. Well, mom said this, well, dad said this. And now the kid is literally in the middle and you can mitigate that by putting them in the center, by, by asking them how they feel, by making it about, again, about them. That's a Mm -hmm. brilliant example of that. I love it. Yeah. And kids figure it out. They'll know what's true about a parent and what's not. They'll have their own experience and, and relationships aren't black and white. You know, I mean, there are some really great things about a person you love and there's some not so great things. And that includes parents and kids figure it out. They'll know who showed up for them. They'll know who was taking the higher road and being the bigger person you know, they'll value and appreciate the fact that you didn't bad mouth or trash talk or, you know, that you were supportive of their relationship with the other parent. Um, And even if you're in a situation where the other parent is not doing that, they're not behaving in those ways, there's nothing you can do to change or fix that. All you can do is control what you say and your side of the fence. And kids will fare far better if one parent gets it together than if nobody gets it together. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, one thing I hear all the time, like in my Facebook group, it's like, I'm documenting everything. He said this and I'm documenting it and I'm going to send it to my attorney. Is it relevant really at the end of the day? So it depends on the situation. Um, If you're in a situation where there's some really questionable behavior, like Mm -hmm. in terms of kids' well-being, or there's an issue around alienation, Right. You know that the, the bad mouthing is, is going above and beyond um, and it's really threatening or interfering with your relationship with kids. Or if you have uh, a narcissistic or really high conflict co-parent, documentation for your own benefit can be helpful. Like I will tell parents, write it down so you can kind of track and maybe come back and review and see if there's a pattern here. 
Mm-hmm. Is there something you're missing because you're so consumed with being in the moment? So you use it as a learning tool, not necessarily something to run to court with. And it is only in, you know, very rare instances where that information will prove helpful in a court setting. Let's face it. Sometimes you do have to go to court. You may not want to, but you may not have the choice and you may need to defend yourself. And so, yes, sometimes, but I think that that's the exception more than the rule. Yeah. Yeah. Good. You know, we were talking a while ago, you know, before about, you know, separation, right. Versus divorce. Right. And sometimes there's separation in the house before there's a divorce. Right. I know I lived with my ex for six months separated in separate bedrooms. So what do you do? Do you talk about that? Like if you have to live in this under the same roof, but it's kind of clear there's something going on, or certainly if you've, if you're not sleeping in the same bed and you have been all this time, how do you explain that to the kids without giving them too much information too soon? Well, I think it goes back to this idea of figuring out like what's happening here. Like Mm -hmm. we need to be really clear about what direction we're going. And I think for more and more families, this is a huge issue because of, you know, things that are going on in the country um, because of financial reasons, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it may not be feasible to have two households. You may not be able to get that space from each other right at the outset. So I would say, again, you need to make a plan. If this is the direction you're moving, then you need to start thinking about what you're going to say to kids. And I I think you let them know, you know, um, we've made this decision. And for this reason, we're all still going to be sharing this space, but mom and dad are going to be in different bedrooms. I see. I think you run into problems where you try to kind of skirt the issue by saying, "Oh, well, Dad's sleeping in the other room because he snores too much." That's exactly. Or, that's, the, you know, that's the key. Right. Mom has back issues, so or and they're sleeping in with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah. I think you need to be forthright. You need to let kids know kind of what's going on because when kids don't have a context, well, then they explain things to themselves. And they start stringing things together that may or may not be true. And you don't want that. You know, like the kid we talked about before who was under the impression that his parents weren't divorced. You know, he had kind of made sense of all this. They're not talking about it. So nothing's probably really changed. And, and I think that's why it's important to have conversations with kids. So if you're under one roof, make a plan. Talk to the kids. Give them a context for understanding what's going on. Uh, If you have separate bedrooms, you know, let them understand that the relationship is changing, but you can also use that circumstance to your advantage because it can give your kids time to transition. It can give you time, you Mm -hmm. know, to transition. But I would also say that under those circumstances, you need to not continue to act like partners. You need to adjust your expectations and you need to start acting like co-parents And, you know, think about using that as an opportunity to try out a parenting schedule where you have what I talk about an on-duty and off-duty parent Mm -hmm. um, and let kids gradually get used to the idea of spending time differently with parents. And, and, you know, if you're doing something, if you have a plan, it's not working, you can try it out while you're under one roof. And, and if it's not, then you go back and you tweak it and you try something else or you make adjustments and you have a safe environment for doing that. 
Yes, I love that. You know, that's that's what we did. We and you know, before we made any move, we were constantly calling our co-parenting specialists in San Francisco. Like, what do we do? What do we say? How do we do this? And you know, they were great. And we did have we had a plan. We had a very solid plan. We told we told our son, he was three, and we said, Mommy and Daddy are having a really hard time getting along, and we just kind of need a little space from each other. And that we did that for six months. And then we alternated nights. One of us would go out um, every other night. We were usually going to meetings or therapy. We were going to 12 step meetings or therapy um, on our nights off. So it was alternated, which was really helpful. Um, we would often have dinner together as a family, but not always. Um, so it did ease that, tra- ease that transition so that when it was time, when I got my new house and it was time to move, we were able to have that, you know, an extension of that conversation. Right. We, we, you know, we've, we're having a hard time getting along and we've really realized that the best way for us to get along is if we're not, you know, we're not living under the same house and same roof. And, you know, one of the things I want to say about this too, is that, you know, on paper, my ex and I did it perfectly, partly because we consulted someone like you and we're like, you know, we had all the conversations at the right time, brought him over to the house at the right time to show him, let him pick things out. One of the things that was recommended to us was to give him a box and let him decide, give him some agency, let him choose which toys came to the new house and which ones stayed, right? We did everything by the book. And my son recently said to me, I was like, how do you remember that? And he's like, I don't know, man, we were at dinner one night and you gave me a box and told me to pack some things. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) that's not what happened. (laughs) But like, he's 15 now and that's his memory of it. And I'm like, fuck. So like, we can do this like as well as possible and we can make all the best choices and still their experience of it might not line up, you know, my son is not like, With what terribly, done, yeah. yeah, my son's not terribly damaged by it, but I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> we worked so hard. <laughs> what are you going to do? Isn't that you know? crazy? Isn't that crazy? Well, you know, as parents, we have no way of knowing what sticks. All right. Really. All right. We really don't. We, we have no control over it. Stick. Yeah. Yep. It's unbelievable. And so you do the very best you can. And I guess this brings up a really important point um, that let's just say you got it wrong. Like Mm -hmm. you didn't have that perfect conversation. You, you made some choices that you wish you had made differently. You can always circle back. This is not a one and done. The conversation needs to be ongoing. And so if you said something and you're like, you listen to this podcast and you go, oh man, I probably shouldn't have said that. You can circle back and say, you know what? When we were talking about this, I said this, and that really wasn't what I wanted to say. You know, I really wish I had said that differently. And here's what I want you to know. And I apologize for that. And I'm going to work really hard to, you know, keep my emotions in check or to um, be more positive or to not say things like that again. I'm going to do my very best because what's most important to me and the other parent moving through this is you. And I want you to have a good relationship with both your parents. And I think that's, that's a very important precedent for kids that we can make mistakes and we can own them and we can right the wrong. Like whatever it was we did, we, we'd make an effort to make things right. And like what an amazing communication skill to teach your kids because yeah, 
people get it wrong all the time. And it doesn't mean that we then have to sit in it being wrong. We are able to go back and correct our mistakes. And that's part of healthy communication. Um, It's a lifelong skill that they need to have. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Christina, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you feel like we haven't covered that people need to know about this? This is a conversation I could probably have for hours. I know. (laughs) <laughs> we can do a part two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much, there's so much. Um, and so I guess, I guess as a parting thought, I would say, be gentle with yourself, right? No parent gets it right. A hundred percent of the time and you're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is that you learn from them and yeah. you work towards doing things different or better the next time around, like own it. Um, but don't beat yourself up. This is hard stuff. This isn't easy. And be sure that you um, build a tribe. Have go-to people, whether they're coaches or counselors or therapists or grounded friends who aren't going to fuel the fire, but they're actually going to offer you some insight or just let you vent and and lovingly listen. Um, But make sure that you have your tribe um, because you'll get there. It's yeah. just slow and steady. Absolutely. I think that's brilliant, brilliant advice. And you should also all read Christina's book, Parenting Apart. Yeah. <laughs> and so where can people find you? So they can find me at divorceandchildren.com, divorceandchildren.com. And uh, that's my main website. You can connect with me. Um, I also do uh, a free 30-minute consultation session for people that are interested in working with me because I may be a great coach, but I might not be a great coach for you. And so how will you know if you don't have an opportunity to kind of try it before you buy it? So I give people an opportunity to connect with me and um, just find out, uh, get some immediate feedback, gain some insight, um, to see if this is, is the right connection for them. Awesome. Thank you so much, Christina. As always, my go-to, my go-to for all things parenting. I adore you. Thank you for coming back on and having this conversation. Uh, well, the feeling is mutual and thanks so much for the opportunity to be here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.